Welcome to Bald Move Pulp, the officially unofficial podcast for Loki on Disney Plus. Uh, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season one, episode five, titled Journey into Mystery. Aaron, what'd you think of this episode? I love this episode. This episode put a big smile on my face. Um, I thought it was funny. I thought it was epic. I thought it looked good. You know, we had another big, like, wide open fantasy space, and they struggled with that in the previous episode, I think episode three. I thought they crushed it here. And this is just a big, long love letter to people that really like kind of deep lore of Marvel. And again, I don't even get a lot of these references because, again, this is a vin- kind of more Avengers Thor stuff than. And I'm more on the mutant side of the the Marvel house. But, uh, you know, some of these are big enough memes that that I got. Um, And, you know, since we had an extra day to prepare, I I looked into a lot more down to the the title of the episode, Journey in the Mystery. Journey in Mystery is a horror sci fi anthology that Marvel ran for years. And then around, I think, issue 83, they debuted a character called the Mighty Thor. Uh, and he was a breakout hit and uh, right around the time the Loki showed up his brother and they started to start building out the Asgardian stuff. They split him off into his own, uh, his own uh, issue and, and he's maintained one ever since. So it's hmm. like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot of, uh, th- uh, clearly, uh, Waldron's got a lot of, of love for the lore and the the mystique of this universe. And I thought it was all on display and I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what it all comes down to, to next week. I'm, I remain deeply skeptical about some of the wilder, uh, not even wilder, but more impactful theories about who is behind this stuff. Because I just, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've hinted about this for a couple of weeks. I just don't think Disney is going to deploy you know, they're not going to have Thanos 2.0 show up at the finale episode of uh, one of their limited series. I just don't. And, and I th- before I, they've I, even kicked off the next phase. I mean, yeah, if the next phase is anything like the phase before it, they're going to take their sweet time with it. And, and here's the thing. I'm not saying they're not connected. What mm-hmm. you know what this is? This is a web. This is what would usually be a web series. You know, anytime there's been like a web series that leads up to like a new season of The Walking Dead or a new season of this or a new season of that, you never have to watch everyone. You know, before we start covering a series that has this kind of shit, everyone's like, oh, you got to watch all this and and you got to do this. You got to do that or you won't possibly. How could you possibly? No, that's the bonus material that they designed to be indulged in by the like super nerds. And when they release content for normies, they're going to make sure that they're handheld enough to, to understand that. So if, if you like the extra material and I really like this extra material, I just don't think it's going to be required viewing for Avengers four or Guardians of the Galaxy three or, you know, Thor love and, and thunder. I, I just I just don't. I just don't. But having said that, there's still just tons and tons for the cottage industry of Marvel, you know, analyzers to, to, to tear into now. I was when I watched this this episode, I was a little nervous about what you would think about it, because I think a lot of this hits on some of your really weak points in, in, in comic book love. So what did you think of the episode? Oh, I thought it was fun. Uh, yeah, I've, I've given myself over to Loki uh, early on. Right. I think I talked about how like I. Yeah, early on was looking for, you know, some timey wimey trickery, like logic based thing. It's going to blow my mind in a sort of sixth sense kind of way. And like episode two, I think I came back and was like, you know, this show probably isn't going to be that. Uh, I, I think I'll just like 
kind of go with the flow wherever Loki's going to take me. And I think that served me well over the course of the last five episodes because I I had no problems with this. Um, they're creating a lot of just sort of thin air kind of stuff in this episode. Like, oh, there's a void, which is a place where, you know, we send all of the garbage and there's this Eliath and there's a, a place beyond it. And in some cases, they're even sort of using that uh, against me in the episode in a weird way, right? Mm. Like Ravona is conspiring with the time AI, whatever, whatever clock uh, interface she's got. Yeah. The miss minutes uh, to sort of like bamboozle Sylvie. And I found myself bamboozled by that in a a little bit. I was like, boy, they're really pushing me here. Just going to make some stuff up on the spot. Huh? Mm -hmm, About this mm -hmm. prototype ship they've got that can take them through the other made up thing. They just made up five minutes ago. (laughs) <laughs> and then that turns out to actually be made up, right? So, yeah, yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, and then I continue to appreciate the stuff they're doing thematically with the Lokis. Um, and God, there are a lot of Lokis in this episode. But specifically, I, I want to say our, our Lokis at this point, which I think are mm-hmm. Sylvie and, and who I'm just going to continue to call Loki, even mm-hmm. though he's not the real our Loki who right. died, yeah, from from Thanos. But like... Yeah, uh, I I found it fun, so no problems here. And I I even think that like um, you know Michael Waldron was talking about how he's uh, like really influenced by the leftovers is one of the things that I got excited. And I as I was watching, I'm like yeah, I see a lot of International Assassins Hotel here where our protagonist wakes up in a reality that makes no sense and is constantly like defying him to make sense of it, and it's got a lot of comedy. Yeah. the The thing is, is that the, this episode. I mean, the two Lokis holding hands and, you know, conjuring this smoke monster just doesn't have the same emotional weight as Kevin singing, you know, Homeward Bound. I like they think did. so, but I, I imagine a lot right. of people would disagree. But but on the other know. hand, there was there was what, 18 episodes that led up hour long episodes right. that led up to that moment that got us to that place where the character would make us care so much about such a silly fantastic. Where, where even the main character is talking about how this is just stupid, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but that was the magic to leftovers. And I felt like Loki kind of sort of tapped in there. It just, you, that's the thing where you just, you know, it's just never going to, you know, they're, they're never going to hit that high note. And I don't know why I thought that in five episodes they could, but I definitely think yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm starting to see like, I'm, you know, a lot of this, I was like, oh, you're going to fucking name check the leftovers. Well, then I'm going to be arms crossed, eyes narrowed, waiting for me to like fat tears rolling down my cheeks at some point in th- these finales. And I don't know, maybe they'll get their next next episode. I think for um, a lot of people, I- they already have. Right. If if you are way into this story, um, if you're way into these characters and invested in this relationship, I think that moment at the end of this episode where they join hands, you know, two Lokis finally come together. They're you know the whatever they have is still sort of unspoken um but they both understand it and they're both cool with it um yeah and, and that that's a powerful moment right they they come together to defeat whatever this huge epic thing is uh that's a very marvel moment and i think the people who are in to marvel for the things that marvel does will be very happy with that yeah, and I think that there's you're like even Mobius and Loki's genuine hug like that all felt very yeah. earned. And mm-hmm. that's pretty incredible that you can build that relationship just on two actors charisma in, you know, f- four four or five episodes of them fucking around. 
Um, and I think that, you know, like every once in a while, Marvel can usually Marvel does awesome moments. Well, you know, like uh, Ant-Man showing up at uh, the airport of Captain America three, you know, as giant man, you know, yeah. and just like, even if you don't know who Ant-Man was, just a spectacle of that is so good and funny and just awesome. And, and sometimes that they can like you can they can give it that like spine tingling. Like I thought uh, one of the few times that Marvel hit that gear is the scene opening up an endgame where Clint, you know, Hawkeye realizes his family's been snapped, you mm-hmm. know, his whole fucking family, like the horror of that settling in. Um, and then sometimes they can do both. Like when Cap picks up Mjolnir, that's both supremely awesome and, and, and kind of spine tingling all at the same time because of what it means and what it so. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that they got there and either they, like, but but like it was awesome. Like when classic Loki manages to conjure up this Asgard through the Supreme. And I, I know this is some stuff that you yeah. like. I mean, this you just like this is like there's some things like pro wrestling and soap operas where like the emotion is more important than what's actually happening. And I think comic books work that way. And that like in and I think it can get silly, but like unless you can get on board with a man in green pajamas screening, you know, just straining against a blue screen and just know that like, that's a superhuman effort of will that he's doing to be heroic. And that's why it's going to succeed just because it needs to like, unless you can kind of get up for those moments there. <laughs> That's a big, it's kind of hard. Me. And I know it gets ridiculous. Cause like, not, like, like a lot of times in some of the shittier X-Men movies where it's just literally six characters, you know, doing that mm-hmm. with garbage swirling around. Oh, their head. Apocalypse? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can get a little too dragon ball Z, but at its best, yeah. it's, it's, you know, this, this moment of her heroism and sacrifice that classic Loki makes at the end of a very long life of reflection and, Mm-hmm. regret and and uh raging against your inability to change things until it's too late yeah that, i bet that was a, I, a huge moment for a lot of people when, yeah when he shows up and you realize what he's conjuring yeah yeah i think it's uh i think i thought i thought it was cool um and again i'm i'm excited to see what the actual fuck is at the end of the rainbow mm-hmm. um next episode I just don't think it's going to, like I said, I just don't think it's going to kick off the next phase. These are, again, going to be at best webisodes and compared to like the mainline MCU. And we're, by the way, doing one. We're, we're getting back into the MCU main swing, sequence swing with Black Widow tonight. <laughs> are um, we? Is there, how much continuity is there going to be for a dead characters movie? You know, I've heard I've already heard a bunch of people praising this movie and mm-hmm. saying that it's a lot more relevant than you think. But mm. I, I, I'm going to remain skeptical until I see it. But yeah. I, I think, you know, especially as timey wimey as the next phase of Marvel is going to be, it mm. would not shock me at all. If there is some impactful things about this kind of prequel and also, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see, but, but I just want to let people know that, um, if you want our opinion on whether you should see the next Marvel, I mean, no one needs that. You either know you're going to see, black widow or you don't already right here but if you want to know what we think about it we'll have a a full spoiler review out for our uh, club members and patreons tonight and then a general you know no spoiler review for everybody else Mm -hmm. if you want to check that out again tonight thursday or friday morning whenever you get to it for sure and i think we'll talk more about what we think is at the end of the rainbow here uh at the end of this podcast probably Mm -hmm. in the recap um but maybe we should get into it let's do it Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. 
This week, Jim's away, so the producer will play. That's right, it's time for another fabulous lunch with Talitha and Aaron. Not only do we have an alternate host lineup, we also are doing it on an alternate day. Lunch will be served on Wednesday. All that, plus the usual bullshit for me, served live or catch the podcast version out later that day. We're about a month out from the kickoff of Badass Fest 6, so get your tickets now while available at baldmove.com slash live. Come watch an outrageously badass mystery film with us. Grab another snack and beverage from the theater's fully stocked bar, then get back in your seat for a live recording of the accompanying podcast. Get more info and tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content, plus ad-free feeds. All right, we start off with uh, what I'm calling a visual tone poem. My, my notes reflect that. It just says elevator, wall, timekeepers, ruins, the void, and Eliath. It's, it's just kind of like a, hey, remember where we are? Uh, mm-hmm. And here's a glimpse of something you didn't see before that is very frightening uh, in the form of Eliath. There's also that visual technique and they use a lot on the, the green night trailer that I'm really looking forward to where they're essentially upside down and the camera is kind of like slowly to give you an idea that you're through the looking glass or you're through some kind of area of madness. And they do that through the timekeeper's door into the void uh, because there's no physical connection. There's just a thematic one there. And I, I don't know, like I, it worked for me when we hit the void and they just went full on the basso profund or basso profundo uh, version of the Loki theme with like a sound like mm. now with 20 tubas. Yeah, yeah. The blah, blah, blah. It's I thought that shit was cool. And then you're instantly like running for your life. Like what an effective way to begin this episode. Yeah. No, the music is great throughout this entire episode and probably like I haven't noticed it a ton, but probably this entire series so far. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think this has got been the best musical cues because like the other stuff has been recycled Avengers Mm -hmm. and kind of like watered dead. But like, I feel like someone really put their back into this one because it's a, it's a hell of a hell of a main theme and score for sure. So then we, you know, get the 30 seconds of Marvel Studios stuff and then we come back to, uh, Ravona, in order to sort of stall her death, tells Sylvie that Loki's still alive, and then she explains how that's possible, you know, given what she knows about the Void and and its role in the TVA. And Sylvie decides she's going to trust Ravona um, to help her find Loki. Um. Yeah. And like, I I guess I never. We were talking about this pre podcast. I I never really thought that. Lady Loki, Sylvie had fallen, like you know, completely fallen for um the 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 Renslayer, mm-hmm. Judge Renslayer's bullshit. But also to the extent that she was willing to trust, I think that there is a lot of good evidence for that because you know we've seen the three TVA agents that she's exposed to the truth. You know, C twenty B fifteen, um, Mobius. Their reaction is outrage and wanting to kind of tear the system down so like i guess it didn't seem super crazy that like now that ravona has confronted hardcore with the artificiality of the timekeepers and it does seem like it genuinely shocked her um that she would kind of like want to throw in with her 
I guess that seems like it would track. Yeah, I guess but she's so. a Loki, so she doesn't fully trust. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It, it was also like all of this under duress stuff, too, right? Like you've got a woman here who's standing in front of you, pointing a spear at your neck, saying it's time to kill you now. Mm-hmm. And then Ravona says, hey, uh, we could save Loki. And I'm telling all right. of you, I'm telling this to you totally willingly, not under any kind of, you know, threat of my life or anything in the moment. I just am volunteering this. It was just like, well, she would say anything at this point to get you to spare her life. Right. Why are you just yeah, believing this coming from uh, such, you know, such a like nemesis of yours? I, mm-hmm. it, it seemed a little bit of a stretch to me. Um but by the end of it, it was all proven to be, you know, exactly what it was. It was a stretch, a, a ruse. Right. But uh, to what extent? Because that's the thing. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I believe, uh, you know, like Renslayer still is like, well, I still want to get to the bottom and get who's behind this. But the question is why? Because she doesn't want yeah. to join forces to tear it down. Like, and they're. And they contrast the only thing I can contrast it with Loki's stated belief that uh, Sylvia doesn't want to run this thing. She wants to tear it down. Uh, so I wonder if Rinslayer is along the other line where she's like thinks this is bullshit, but she still believes in the, the end goal and kind of wants to. Well, the problem with this plan isn't that it's horrific mm-hmm. ends justified means bullshit. The problem is the right person's not making those calls right. and I need to be that person. I wonder if they're going yeah. in that direction with it. Totally could be. There's a scene later on where she says, like, call up all the information on the beginning or, yeah, the beginning of the TVA, uh, the beginning yeah. of time. And and then has like a smile as she walks off at the end of that. Yeah. Which, you know, was was tonally at odds with the sort of emergency situation she was in, which made me think something else is going on here, uh, whether she's mm. like a Loki herself who's trying to get to the bottom of the TVA and using the TVA to do that. Um, well, see, I think that might be because like she just had a conversation with B-15 where B-15 confidently said, you're never going to find the timekeepers before she does because you just want to and she needs to. Right. And I think as hers, like, well, I've got the fucking files for the entire universe. So we'll put her wanting and my oh, having yeah. access <laughs> to this. And I think it's more okay. of like, fuck you, B-15. We'll see about that. But you, could, yeah, be. That could be. Who knows? Um, so I, I like, you know, the explanation of all this, uh, granted, all of this stuff is made up. It doesn't need logical consistency, um, <laughs> right. but it makes a certain amount of sense within the universe they've created with this void where it's essentially like a, <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's literally in some cases, as we see later in this episode, a junkyard, right? Where they throw mm-hmm. all their trash, which is all of the people that they've had to prune from the timeline. Uh, they throw them there. And then Eliath comes in and, you know, he does cleanup. Um, that's pretty cool. I think this this void concept is pretty neat. Um, it, it gets a little weird with uh, time at the end. Like, what's beyond the void where all timelines meet? Who knows? And I guess that's what yeah. we're going to explore next episode. Sort of exciting, sort of confounding. I don't know. It is well thought out in like the best kind of like Marvel way where it's like, well, we've all read Einstein and we know matter can't be created nor destroyed. So, <laughs> well, yeah. obviously we top it into a time void. Right. And then an entropy monster eats it. So 
obviously matter sure. and energy are conserved. It just goes into the entropy monster and presumably it gets bigger. But it's like it's Marvel. It's like, hey, I, I there's they have the best way of lampshading. Like, well, this is obviously a nonsense physical thing. So I so we'll just invent another nonsense. It's kind of like Star mm-hmm. Trek with the Heisenberg compensator, you know? Yeah. It's like eh, faster light travel and matter teleportation is probably impossible because, of course, how could you possibly you know, if if you measure someone's stuff down to the molecular level, then you can't, you know, it, it, it's it's got. So, yeah, you got a Heisenberg compensator to just kind of fucking compensates for that shit. Right. Right. It's future tech. Uh, what are you, you going to do? Yeah. 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 Uh, and, but, and then uh, they, I, they kept me. So they kept me on the hook here in this scene. And then there's another scene later with Sylvie and Ravona where she explains about the prototype ship. And I was like, OK, you fucking lost me. This is bullshit. Gotcha. This all sounds stupid. And then it was revealed that, oh, yeah, it all it is all bullshit. <laughs> None of it is real. None of it exists. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. They they had fun with that. And I had fun with it, too. Also, uh, thematically, it's very satisfying for them to have this like ultimate confrontation in the place where their relationship began. Mm, you know, yeah. like this is the courtroom where Sylvie was found to be in, in sentence to be purging and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she self purged like I don't know just there's a lot of like really cool like I said thematic symmetry um, that they can get away with with this uh, make believe science yeah. stuff you think Ravona's the only judge I would imagine there are a lot of nexus events that happen just all the time what is the cue like there's man there's so many little little hints and stuff like the fact and, and I don't know what it's hints to because like remember we had a question about uh, the coffee cup stains that she said Mobius made and he's like I don't remember making those does that mean that there were other agents besides Mobius does that mean that like uh, every time a agent remembers their jet ski pass they get mind wiped again I think so you know like what are the what's special uh, we got some feedback about this but what's special about the variants that become judges and enforcers and clerk and, and clerks and stuff versus the ones that just get sent to the purge zone yeah um I think those are interesting questions. I hope we get answers to next next episode when we confront whoever is behind all this shit. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so then we go back to Loki, who's uh, t- t- with all the other Lokis and they're running from Eliath. Uh, but Loki has like a thousand questions and he stops them to get answers and they tell him, look, El- Eliath is intended to devour the things of TVA sends into the void. He also finds out that the youngest of them, which I guess they call Kid Loki, uh, well, probably the youngest. I guess we don't know the alligator's age. Uh, <laughs> the the youngest <laughs> of those small. killed Thor, which is pretty impressive to Loki. That's uh, causes a definite variance. Yeah, sure. Then they go underground, literally. Yeah. I love all this stuff. I love alligator. I Loki. I love Tom Hiddleston's performance um, of like the like, hey, look, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. But a lot of the stuff doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the the idea that like there's tons of Lokis because they're exceptionally good at surviving, escaping and 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 doing all their like the cockroaches of the Marvel Universe, which is just tons and tons and tons of like an amazing amount of Loki variants. We're going to find out. Yeah. Um, but it makes a, a lot of sense. And also, like in my second watch through and I, I, I'd kind of gone through a couple of the early videos that are showing Easter eggs. Um, but if you go through and think that color green equals Loki, uh, there's a there's a there's a, a there's several there's a green car. Uh, I noticed that uh, Mobius's uh, pizza car has got the license plate GRN green. 
like are there inanimate <laughs> loki versions is, is there like a loki car variant is you know i suppose uh, how how could an inanimate loki create a variance create a nexus event I don't know, but also <laughs> Marvel is owned by Disney, which also owns Pixar, which also owns the movie Cars, which posits there's a whole universe of car and transportation based sentient life. So like are some okay. of these vehicles from Nexus events that happened in the Pixar version of the Marvel universe where Loki's a tow truck or some shit? <laughs> I, I don't know, but it's a cool idea to think about. And if you go through and look at like all the stuff that's either green in or has green license plates or has like Loki low. There's like a lot of, you know, Loki shit just floating around here, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, I, I, again, is, uh, is is super funny and super entertaining. Some Thor um, shit floating around, too. Uh, there's a, a miniature Thor in a bottle as we kind of scroll down to the underground bunker. Do you, you want to talk about this stuff now? Because this is where sure. like a lot of the Easter eggs for the, the, the series are coming up. Yeah, um, I'm curious what you got. I, I also just like the, how they one of my favorite gags in this episode is how they can, they keep. Uh, Gator Loki in on the jokes and action like mm-hmm. they all they there's like four or five times where they cut the lo- alligator Loki for a reaction shot and so alligator like what the hell is he going to do sometimes they give yeah. him some hissing dialogue but most of the time it's just like his little transparent eyelid blinks or something I just think I, I don't know why but I think that shit is super funny I like um, him drinking wine that's my favorite part gallon yeah <laughs> just like pouring it in his gullet box yeah. wine uh, right. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the first one. Is there's a helicopter? This is the, one of these things where like I knew about the jokes and the memes, but I didn't know where it came from. But there's mm-hmm. a helicopter labeled Thanos. I saw that, and I guess when they were doing the Infinity War, because I remember like Infinity War was huge for Marvel, and even though it didn't involve a lot of the mutants, and that's weird because a lot of the other crossover summer crossover events that Marvel did, like Secret Wars and stuff, did. Um, this is almost exclusively like uh, Avengers and uh, a Silver Surfer and Fantastic Four kind of thing. It left the mutant side. But there there was always like they, they, they had these like little Infinity Stone plots running through a lot of the comics, you know. And I guess there's this one version of Black Cat, which is for some reason just called. She's just a, you know, essentially Catwoman character in the Marvel Universe. And she had stolen an infinity just gym from Thanos and he was chasing her all over New York to try to get it. And he had to use a hell. He's Thanos and he has to use a helicopter to chase after her. And it looks just like this helicopter says Thanos on it. And right. the infinity stone gets at some point gets caught by a little boy. He uses it to make infinite, infinite ice cream. And the plot ends up with Thanos being arrested by the New York police and packed into a squad car in handcuffs. God. The Mad Titan, the quarter of death, he who punched the Hulk so much it scared him, mm-hmm. who killed Loki, broke, broke the neck of a god with a thought, is being meekly led away in bracelets by New York's finest. So this is a huge this is a huge meme. And I guess like this, um, the James Gunn, the director of Gardens Galaxy, has been trying to get this kind of gonzo shit into the stuff for and. Like, I saw him, that Twitter post of his from ages yeah. ago. Yeah. So, so they finally worked in that. And then the little frog Thor that's in a glass, that's in a glass jar and, and buried in the dirt is from another obscure storyline. That's like, takes two different Marvel things that kind of clash together. There's this guy that got cursed by a witch to be a frog and has a whole life in central park in New York with other frogs. 
And at some point in the story, um, Thor has to ditch Mjolnir somewhere. And one of Odin's goats stamps Mjolnir so hard it like dislodges a sliver of the hammer. Uh, and this frog gets a hold of the sliver, and as soon as he touches it, it turns into a tiny version of Thor's hammer <laughs> and oh, grants him the powers of, of Thor proportionate to the size. So he's got superhuman strength proportionate to that of a frog. He's got superhuman command of thunder and lightning, but on. So that is, this is the, called the mighty throg. Um, and, and he somehow got, got, uh, sideways of the TVA and, uh, got dumped in, into the void. Uh, so Imagine. again, some, some, you're a kid. It's, it's 19 fucking 85 or something. Whenever that issue came out and you go to mm. your newsstand, you go to your comic shop and you pick this one up off the shelf and you're like, fuck yeah, I'm so excited to get the latest Thor. And you open it up and it's 15 pages of fucking frogs in Central Park living Dude, their the, lives. See, the, this, is this the shit talking, that people lived for in the 80s and the comic book you, fans lived for? Because I can only speak for myself. I'd be but disappointed. But I did love my giant sized issues of the X-Men that came yeah. out every summer that had shit like they would go to a different dimension where I forget the name of this guy, but this is dude that's kind of like Job of the Hut, and he's a T, he's essentially an interdimensional cable TV executive. Okay. And there's another um, uh, Marvel character, Longshot, that was essentially the star of one of his TV shows, like the protagonist, uh, and he was in- genetically engineered to be I don't know, super strong, he's got lightweight bones, he's got a mutant uh, enhanced sense of luck, so things just kind of work out, and it's kind of like a combination interdimensional cable Truman show. Um, but the X Men would can't like continually get. And it's he's more of a silly character because, again, he's like, imagine like a Truman show, you know, like like Ed Harris in a Truman show only he's job of the hut and he's maniacal about ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there was like this constant variations of X-Men like there, there's like one issue had uh, the X women where it was like feminized versions of all the X-Men and like, you know, weird, sexy outfits, like sexy version of Wolverine, Colossus with enormous chrome breasts. What did they do there for was Storm? X- uh, well, there she was just like, <laughs> she was uh, just yeah, well, that's a good question because any of the women that were already women were just sexed up like, uh, like, oh, uh, you know, when you had a Deep Space okay. Nine episode where they went to the mirror universe and you had sexy major Kira. Because they're not the already sex- sexed up enough in their well, regular forms. Come on, I've seen this Storm. This is 90s. <laughs> This is 90s comics where Marvel used to unironically do swimsuit episodes. Christ. But okay. have Jim Lee draw Rogue wearing a, and Psylocke <laughs> wearing a fucking string bikini and shit. So they pander. They pandered a bit. Apparently. But they had X babies like Jim Henson X-Men style oh uh, or God. Muppet Babies universe. So it was like, yeah, a lot of times this is where like it's kind of fan service. You could you go fucking buck wild and yeah, you wouldn't maybe you wouldn't want to like I don't know how many uh, single focus issues Throg would sell like if they had a mighty Throg number one I don't know how long that series would run before people would get bored of the concept but yeah so these were mainline these were like oh this month the Thor issue is just going to be this they they're 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 just kind of in the margins for for fun shit you know mm, same way like Peter okay. Porker the spectacular spider ham he's a character and but is he a big character does he have long running series and arcs and stuff no but he is a fun part of the Marvel lore and Loki is just just giving you a glimpse of the shit that Marvel gets up to when they get bored with their own content. Um, wow. Cause I think Marvel is a little bit more fun than DC, mm-hmm. you know, 
Yeah, um, yeah. They're a little bit more kind of like not afraid to, to. Of course, I might have DC fans. Well, you fucking haven't seen the fucking Justice League babies issues. Of, <laughs> yeah. You're right. I didn't read a lot of DC, but um, yeah, I, 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 I th- this stuff was was a was a lot of fun and it just was rapid fire. And I'm sure there's like probably three times as many that I didn't see. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, I just saw it's, a it's shitload good. of lunch trays. I don't know if this was like buried under what a, was up a with school, that like they just dumped a whole school into the void or what, but yeah, and they're in a warped bowling alley that's mm-hmm. in a underground bunker. There's a lot. So you were bigger into Lost than I was. I noped out after two seasons. Mm, yeah. I guess there's a lot. Uh, Seppenwall was talking about all the mini allusions to Lost here. You have a smoke monster. Uh, you've got an underground hatch. Mm-hmm. You've got. I don't know. I, I did. He, he listed off like half a dozen um, uh, allusions to Lost and like episode titles and stuff. So, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. definitely the smoke monster and the the hatch are two things you could point at and say, yeah, that's very Lostian. Um, but Eliath is it was created back in uh, 1993 or 94. Hmm. So like he predates. Like oh, I, I thought yeah, that was yeah. a little weak. You know, it's like he's yeah, he's just, I Marvel don't think does have biting. a smoke monster, but yeah, I don't think they're intentionally biting anything off a of lost. I think yeah. it's just there are similarities, certainly. There's a mood. Yeah. Uh anyway, let's get to the next scene. Ravona gets uh files on the founding of the TVA, or she's she's pulling them up. Uh but Sylvie wants to know about the time after the void, and Ravona says, Ah, that's impossible to know what's beyond it. But then the AI suggests, hey, we got this prototype ship that can get us all beyond the void. Well, it turns out it's not real. It was all just a stalling tactic. And the guards bust in. Sylvie jumps behind uh, the 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 docket. I, what the fuck is this called? Where the judges sit? The throne. The judicial throne. <laughs> the bench. <laughs> oh, the bench. Be That's what it's called. The bench. It's, Thank it's you. It's the bench. Approach the bench. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then prunes herself. Self-pruning here. Mmm. Hot. Which seems like it makes total sense, given what uh, Sylvie knows about where Loki yeah. is and the state of that place. And she's got this Tim pad. To- totally makes sense to go there, get Loki and just get out. Yeah. And I think it's the only. Uh, yeah, I thought it tracked to. Um, mm-hmm. And also like uh, I also like the fact that they show that Sylvie is not 100 percent bought into Renslayer's bullshit because she doesn't let yeah. go of the handshake. Right. She knows there's just a fix in and like that's like because I was thinking like, oh, this the the, the way it's pr- played where Miss Minutes is like, oh, what about the temporal time ship or spaceship? And, and, and everyone is like, yeah, oh, yeah, the prototype. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, this is the dumbest shit ever. But Sylvia, Sylvia's smart enough to know that she still had the upper hand and could boost that time pad off of her and could get behind the bench and fuck off. So. I, yeah, I thought I'm still I mean the trouble here was I I had thought uh Sylvie was totally duped because she's already trusted her this far. Um mm. the woman who, you know, ruined her life and was going to void her um and and was telling her under duress, "Hey, I've got this super secret way to for you to get back all the things you love, for me to give you back the life I took." No, no, why would you believe that? She'd say anything. Um, and so I was already like primed for uh, Sylvie to believe just just like fall hook, line and sinker for whatever Ravona said. So when they right. did the switcheroo and she wasn't totally uh, hooked by it. Gotcha. I, I was like, OK, cool. Next up, the Lokis tell their stories. Um, the the eldest one here, classic Loki. 
uh, apparently got pruned because he was lonely. Uh, he spent a lot of time out on a planet and then eventually missed his brother and his family and all that and decided to head back and they caught him. TVA did. And then he, you know, declares that they're, they're all the gods of outcasts. Uh, Loki doesn't like that idea. So he jumps up. He declares, I'm going to go kill Eliath and I could really use your guys help. They consider it for a moment, then laugh in his face. So he's, he goes to exit the bunker and then runs smack into a whole nother band of Lokis. It's like 10 of them. I don't know. A bunch. A bunch. Yeah. Like, yeah, a couple dozen, maybe even. Sure. There's a lot of important stuff that happens here. Yes. Um, you know, like classic Loki opining that you, the, the Loki's real problem is their over-reliance on their blades, which is this interesting connection to like there's this uh, kind of ancient view of magic that like uh, the iron uh, disrupts it. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, there's yeah. like like iron is poisonous to fairies. It disrupts magical energies and stuff like that. So there's a little bit. I, uh, I don't know how much of this goes into the, the Marvel universe, but it's kind of like a a long magical trope that like, you know, magic is best effective in absence of bared blades, etc. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And it would explain and like why magic would fade as society starts to build. Yeah, right? that's yeah. another. Yeah, I didn't even put that to into it. But like, yeah, the industrial age pretty much. Yeah, that's why you don't see so many fairies around. You know, you can't get uh, right? in any way from fucking bear out to the woods. You'll see a Sasquatch. You'll see a bunch of fairies. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've destroyed their natural environments. Um mm-hmm. But uh, I thought and the fact that he uh, tricked the, the 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 Thanos so well that he was able to essentially just slink away and kind of like just reflect on what a shit he's been. And like the fact that a lot of the pain in his life is caused by himself. It's kind of like he had all this self-reflection and, and improvement and meditation that brought him to the point where he started missing his brother. And then when he went to try to take, you know, to take us first. He said, literally, first step I took to get off that planet and reunite, I was instantly grabbed by the TVA. Um, so it's like, there's this, like, it's not just the Lokis are doomed to be evil. It's just the variants of them that get, like, some kind of emotional help and do some personal growth are instantly seen as variants and purged. Yeah, so which is one I of the things that was making me think this might be another evil version of Loki that's trying to you know, run the TVA here. And the, 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 that's a, that's a real question I have because like, so you got this old Loki and you got to think about like how old we know, like Odin's a lot older than Thor because he's been, a, and you know, as his father, it's like how old, mm. how long has Loki had to be around to practice his sorcery to get to be like, you know, 50, 67, however old Richard E. Grant is in real life. Mm-hmm. But also like, makes sense that when he busts out his like elaborate magic at the end that's beyond any of the Lokis here. Yeah, he's just had a lot of time to practice it. So I, I thought that, all that yeah. stuff was was really cool. I love the detail of baby Loki drinking high C where they're all drinking boxed wine. <laughs> uh-huh. Um but 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 yeah. Um and Loki concluding that like this is super tropey. I mean how many times we just did Predator two weeks ago and Arnold, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Like this is mm-hmm. Loki lo- Loki's logic. If it's alive, I can I can kill it somehow. Yeah. Um and he's gonna go out. He's gonna go out and try to do it. There's also a, a I saw the boastful Loki that we thought might be like a Thor variant. Did you notice that Mjolnir seems to be made out of a railroad tie? Or no, a railroad, uh, like a segment of, ra- of, of railroad rail. Oh, 
No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, like he cut like a foot long section, spray painted it gold. So he's a bullshitter. Is he bullshit Loki? I think. Well, the the <laughs> subtitles called him boastful Loki. Uh-huh. So yeah, I think he's probably sitting there trying to be like, yeah, I got Mjolnir off my brother when I beat his ass after I got done beating Iron Man and humiliating. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so I, I guess I assumed that when he was talking all that stuff about beating Captain America and like half mm. the Avengers, that he was pruned because of that that was his nexus event what would his nexus event be if he's just bullshitting i don't know that's a very good question um because you're right you're right but yeah i think that his everyone's reaction including gator loki leads me to believe that he's just a bullshitter yeah and again the the subtitles labeling as boastful Mm -hmm. is a boastful loki classic loki and kid loki yeah yeah i think he's a bullshitter i don't think alligator loki gets one but come on it's alligator loki Yeah, of course. Uh, Yeah, I I like how they're laying tracks for the end of this episode right here um, in this Mm -hmm. conversation. You know, you talked about how he was isolated and had a lot of time to work on his magic and he doesn't use blades. And so that's another bonus. He just just uses magic. Makes him the most powerful. And at the end, he comes back and they need him. Right. Um, Yeah. And that's the thing. Like being alone was his his bugaboo here. And so when he comes back and shows that none of them are alone. That's like that's why I'm saying like this could be a super powerful moment for people who are really into these characters in the story. Oh, 100 percent. And I, I think that this is already the the most tightly scripted Marvel show. Like, yeah, you know, they fucked around a lot in one division. Mm-hmm. They, they actually fucked around a lot, a lot, a, a lot in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, really? This, like more than Plonda? The first three episodes with them fucking around. <laughs> Man, I, I feel like there's like oh, three whole episodes that was just there so they could justify the length of the series. Oh, um, okay. that was just like, oh, just these are just, you know, wild goose chases, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, like, I mean, some people say like episode three was the the but no episode three is where you had to believe that the two Lokis formed the human connection. Mm-hmm. Like if that hour wasn't spent there, then literally the whole fucking series falls apart. So, no, that wasn't a waste that, yeah. you know, no, you're right. In, in retrospect, like you need that moment for this to happen uh, for this yeah. episode. It's no, just like, like I, I think like the reason I was disappointed is because I was expecting something trickier in the plot. Um, yeah, but that was my own fault. No, like like when 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 Falcon and the Winter Soldier beat a confession out of a bad guy and then they go on an hour to find out and turns out that the princess is in another castle at the end of that episode. That's a wasted hour. Mm-hmm. You know, the, these. Uh, yeah, the episode three was many things, but it it, it was crucial to like literally the rest of the series happening. So I think this has been really tightly plotted and mm-hmm. everything kind of like not a lot of fat on its bones. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so then Sylvie wakes up in the void and has to run for Eliath and a pizza delivery car driven by Mobius swoops in and picks her up. I, I gotta say that this was funny, but mm. not as funny as what, Mr. Wilson's brother did in Idiocracy. His car was much better. Which one is? I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, I I can't remember the name of it. I don't know if his car had a name, but it's when he was in the arena having to go mano and mano with uh, Dildozer. Uh, and and they I, I strapped said, something to his dil- car that is great. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I almost I almost just speculated in the dark. Was there a giant donger like yes. screwed through the? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Exactly. Of course. But uh, it's still very funny. I mean, him 
driving up in this pizza. I assume it's a pizza delivery car. It's got a big slice of pizza on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was trying to like, man, is that the same car from like Toy Story? I don't think it is. I'm not sure like if this is like there's so many deep lore. The license plate said green. So again, I think canonically this is a this is a Loki car pizza delivery variant, mm-hmm. um, which got purged because, of course, it did. But I, I there's this I, there's the thing I think is slightly weak in the episode, like when Sylvie's running from Eliath and she like is vaulting over a piece of debris. She like accidentally enchants it long mm-hmm. enough to make a connection to see the decrepit castle that's actually lying beyond Eliath. Uh, uh, and like. I mean, it's a comic book thing. You got to you got to believe that these heroes can grab a tendril of smoke and fucking mind fuck this this cosmic force mm-hmm. um, if they work together and believe in the power of love and Loki enough. But like, I thought it was a little weak to the extent that like, I didn't even know what the fuck happened the first time I watched this. Like she's jumping all of a sudden green flash and she sees this vision like, what yeah. the fuck? But you're supposed to understand she accidentally enchanted it for like a brief second, which gave her the idea that she can do it again. Um, but you just, oh yeah, again, you just have to, you just have to follow that logical leap. Um, and they will explain it several more times to you before true. the episode is over. So yeah, if you didn't, true. if you didn't like put that together, which I certainly didn't either, um, then you will. Yeah. Uh, so then the new Loki's and the old Loki's all betray each other and fight while our Loki tries to avoid them. Eventually old Loki, uh, sorry, classic Loki kid, Loki and alligator Loki, uh, all escape the bunker with our Loki and he convinces the others to help him kill Eliath. Uh, it's another great scene The like, does the clusterfuck of betrayal? Um, yeah, this is a lot of fun. I love Tom Hiddleston's, uh, it's a very master and commander curse, but he, he like fucks it up. Like I think that the properly it'd be half witted mm-hmm. beef faced scrubs, mm-hmm. but he goes with beef witted half faced scrubs, which yeah, is, that was funny. which is really funny. Alligator Loki, just, just horphan the president Loki's hand and uh-huh. just high pitch screaming at it. Uh, it's great. And our, our Loki kind of just like high stepping his way, like in this just really exaggerated physical comedy way of like getting himself out of the situation. It was just really fun. And mm-hmm. all the Loki's just fucking gangbang, you know, going at it, hammer and tong. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great scene. And it also allows the, the, these, this core group of Loki's we identify with their frustrations with each other to boil over. Yeah. Like, this is why we can't get anywhere. Cause we don't trust. We right. we always betray. Um, we're stuck in these cycles, and what what can we possibly do about it? Because um, mm-hmm. like otherwise, it's a really hairpin curve for these characters to go from just like it's useless to make plans. There's nothing we can do. We just have to run and survive. To like, oh sure, we'll get in with your suicidal plan, mm-hmm. but it kind of works because you just had the futility of what you're doing thrown into your face. That like. You know, you find a chill group of four Lokis that you can just sit and drink wine and and, and pass the eons. No, one of them is going to eventually get an get an itchy Loki finger and, and want to betray you. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just 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 the multiple cascading betrayals is so, so good. And so funny. Yeah. And I think it, you know, further stresses how important the connection between Sylvie and Loki is right. That. Yeah. And, and potentially how like threatening that could be to another version of Loki, because. Loki's team up, uh, they become more dangerous, right? To to other Lokis. So, They're yeah, more powerful. I, I thought thematically it's, this was very good. 
Yeah, they're like a radioactive isotope. You get more of them together and it Mm -hmm. gives you more power, but it's also an unstable situation because, you know, you have an army of Lokis. You're very powerful, but every one of those Lokis is going to be waiting for the point that they can betray you and and take the army into this. So so it's it's it it does two things, right? It shows us like the power of multiple Lokis working together. Um, And and that comes into play at the end with Sylvie and Loki, but also it shows us uh it, it begs us to ask the question about like what happens which they they address like head on um later in this episode where sylvie and um loki are talking about like what happens after the you know whatever happens beyond the void whether we you know when we come through this on the other side what do you go rule a timeline and what are you gonna do have you thought about it no i haven't well maybe we can do whatever together that that's like the question is there are they going to you know part ways what happens will they stay together all that stuff is is kind of enhanced by what they're doing here throughout the episode 100% and and also like again this this, this episode's so efficient they got Richard Grant like scornfully talking about Loki's glorious purpose but then that will become right. such an awesome line 15 minutes from now yeah when he's sacrificing his life to give these Lokis um a chance you know mm-hmm. When you could just tuck tail and run. I, it's it's yeah. Again, it's it's really, really good for an MCU show. Yeah. Uh, and it also shows you, um, you know, the, some of these Lokis do want to change. Right. Um, yep. And and we we see that the Tom Hiddleston Loki also wants that. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are many other versions of themselves which don't want change. But, you know, yeah. that there is a kernel somewhere in as much as like, hey, this is part of each of the other Lokis then maybe that could be dug out um, and, and change real change could happen. So, yeah. And there's a couple other things. I can't remember if is this scene or the scene right before where uh, our Loki is saying, I don't even know. He's because, because like we, we began the series by saying like, you got to understand that this Loki is not our Loki who tried yeah. to stop, you know, uh, Thanos and as kind of loves his has, has become to find a way to love his family and have like a, a, you know, troubled peace with his brother and mm-hmm. kind of an anti-hero. This is just back, you know, this is enslaving the whole earth, put it, use it as his footstool Loki. Yeah. But he has this line where he's like, I don't even know how long New York was. Was it yesterday? Was it months, years? Because it is like, how many times, how long did he spend in that time loop jail? Mm-hmm. You know, how many, how long did he spend like at the edge of disasters with Sylvie? Like there's just so timey wimey that like, you don't know. So it gives them a little bit of like, it might seem wild if like this Loki made all this personal development over a matter of a couple of days or hours. But if you've got, you know, potentially weeks, months, even years of virtual time that's elapsed mm-hmm. to the point that we're like, Loki can't even tell it. It makes everything else work a little bit better. So also, again, hats off whoever architected all this shit, because it's been impressive so far. We've had I mean, think how far they took Loki in the several movies that he was in. Right. And the right. runtime of those movies, it can't be much longer than the runtime of this series. Especially so if far. you're talking so, about just the stuff involving Loki and giving him development. Yeah, you're not right. wrong. You're not wrong yeah. at all. Uh, so Mobius and Sylvie leave Elioth in the rear view, literally. Uh, but Sylvie decides that the angry cloud might be the answer and declares, hey, we're going back. Uh, I was a little puzzled as to why she would do this, why she would just assume that, hey, that giant horrible thing in the sky, that's where we go until they revealed later that, you know, uh, there was some shit with Ravona that made her think that. And also she mind melded with it. Yeah. And there's a lot. So so there's a lot of this dialogue that I think is setting us up 
for Sylvie betraying our Loki. Um, oh, yeah? Just keep in mind when, you know, Owen Wilson is talking about, man, I thought we were the good guys. And I guess that's what happens when he thinks the ends justify the means. Yeah. And her almost immediate response is like, Let's, look, the only thing that matters is mm-hmm. getting out of here and finding out who's behind this. Yeah. She's motivated by vengeance. If that's literally the like that's ends justifying the means because the end is the only thing that's important. So however you get there is not going to matter. I mm-hmm. think they're setting us up for the brutal gut punch, which is Sylvie is going to be one of these deluded Lokis that is willing to betray another Loki to get to her. And our Loki, who has learned that lesson, is not going to. Um, but we'll see, because I there's also I think it'd be a mind fuck to do it the opposite way, too, because us as the audience, Loki would feel yeah. betrayed if Sylvie walks out on him or fucks him over. But we, the audience, will be betrayed if Loki fucks over Sylvie. So like, I'm not sure which would be cooler yeah. or more interesting, but like it's, it's, it should be fun either way. And well, I, well, one of them's going to happen. Well, let me propose a third option here. Uh, and it's yeah. something I've seen people talk about and it, it, it's very appealing to me um, is the idea that beyond the void, the person controlling the TVA is yet another Loki. Um, yeah. And, and using the TVA to keep all the other Lokis pruned so that they can't usurp his power. They can't most definitely they can't come together to do it. Right. Because that's the mm-hmm. thing he might fear the most. He's not strong enough to take on several Lokis at a time. Uh, they could also be setting that up to where, you know, there's an element of each of these Lokis and all the other Lokis. Right. And so mm-hmm. when you say, hey, the ends justify the means and you have a Loki saying that. Maybe that Loki in particular can grow beyond that, but Loki mm-hmm. at large is still going to feel that way. And so mm-hmm. when they encounter, you know, the the Loki at the end of the rainbow here, it'll make a lot of sense that this Loki would have that attitude of like, yeah. hey, uh, you, you wanted to rule, right? Well, I fucking did it. And yeah. the ends are justifying the means here because I'm doing the TVA thing. Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's I'm pretty convinced that the what's at the other inside of the the rainbow it's through the what's on the other side of the curtain or whatever is another loki and i'm i'm kind of really talking myself into it sylvie in a very tenet kind of way that like it's <laughs> okay. a self-closed loop that she is like she's just sylvie from a couple like a couple hundred years further in the future that's like mm-hmm. look yeah we got and you know I, I, we became convinced that this is the only way to do blah 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 and so that that'd be a way for like i guess our loki and sylvie not to betray each other yeah. and this is the thing is it's like this guy watches so much fucking television and this was also the theme of dark this is oh, also yeah, yeah. like you know like there's been a lot of like tenet like there's been a lot of this stuff of like time being a, a ouroboros that just kind of snakes mm-hmm. around and eats its own tail like the things that you dread the most are the things that you're going to cause because of your own weakness and fear and fragility. Like I, it, it just seems very, very perfect for Marvel to kind of crib from some of those notes have been, that's been going around. Cause like, I think that's what this guy does. That's what they do in Rick and Morty. And it's what they've been mm-hmm. doing so far. So I, I'm looking for something like that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so the Lokis walk toward Eliath while formulating a plan that might be bad or might be good. They don't even know. A ship drops out of the sky and distracts Eliath long enough to demonstrate how hard it's going to be for the Lokis to sneak up on it. Uh, the pizza car pulls up and Loki introduces Sylvie and Mobius to the other Lokis. Sylvie thinks that Eliath is just the guard on the entrance to whatever is beyond the void and says she's going to enchant it. 
And there's, you know, like uh, Mobius says, she's very confident, but she's a reason she she accidentally enchanted it once. So, like, if mm. she puts her puts a little bit of effort into it, she can probably enchant the whole damn thing. Um, probably. But I, I thought such was incredibly effective because they have Loki coming up with like your standard movie plan, which is if I know my large animals, they're going to struggle to swallow this meal. And while it's distracted and then you have this giant battleship to drop, such as there's your big meal. Yeah, but as about Lyther, four seconds. <laughs> yeah, he rips through that like I do a Chinese buffet, and it just—it's <laughs> done. It's done. It's horrifying how fast it happened, and yeah. there's no no way that you could jump in there and get behind it or. No. It just shows I mean, if it touches how, you, you're done. Yeah. Right, right. So it just just really ramps up the stakes, and uh, I, sure. I thought that was it just really shows what they're up against. It wasn't the effects are great here. I mean the like tons of effects in this episode. We haven't talked about it yet. Maybe we will when we get to the final scene because they are just, I I don't know that I've seen a television show use effects more ambitiously and more frequently than Loki. Yeah, because like I've seen like you go back to like Game of Thrones, but that stuff is like, I think it's fundamentally less hard to show like, well, what if big medieval castle and dragons and zombies? Then it is mm-hmm. to like, well, what is a, a void look like? That's the dumping ground of all these times. And it's got a it's got a, a entropy monster in it. Yeah. Um, and it uses a lot of same palette and stuff that we saw with the Lamentus, the Lamentus mm-hmm. set that we talked a bunch of shit about. I think rightfully so. But it just all works here. Um, And I don't know why. Like I like I, I saw some behind the scenes footage to show that they essentially had like three football fields worth of dirt and shit that they 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 put in a soundstage and they lit it. And then they had like just piecemeal things like, you know, different wreckage they could they could, you know, tow in to kind of make it look different. And they shot everybody in that. I don't know why that worked so much better than whatever they did in, in episode three. But yeah. yeah, it was just super solid and convincing, even though mm-hmm. it was arguably more fantastic and weird than what they did in the other episode. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so then Ravona goes to uh, a cage where they're keeping B-15 to find out uh, what drives Sylvie. And B-15's like, duh, you idiot. It's revenge <laughs> on whoever created the timekeepers. Do I really need to tell you that? Uh, she also tells Ravona that she'll never find the, the, the creators of the timekeepers before Sylvie does because she just wants it. Sylvie needs it. Uh, Ravona pulls the files then on the founding of the TVA to try and find the creators. Which we talked about the smirk here, uh, this weird moment with a smile. Yeah, it could be probably a numerous things, but I don't know. I exp- I'm expecting a trick still. Maybe I shouldn't, but the fuck me. The series is called Loki. Yeah, that that I, I guess that's my other biggest like idea for who's beyond the end of this is that uh, uh, Ravona Renslayer is the one and another kind of like snake eating its tail is that she herself created it and has perpetuated it even without her knowledge because it happened in the future not the past yeah it could be and she's just going to be sitting there chilling in that castle mm-hmm. um, but 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 yeah um, but I, I agree and she might like even be a Loki it's it's tough I to was say. about to say that like that's the other thing is you could find out that she's and, and I also wonder here's another big picture theory mm-hmm. maybe all the variants are Loki's because they are so good at compartmentalizing and, uh, you know, betray like, you know, kind of like flexible morality and they're good at surviving and stuff like that. Like, hmm, because because it, it would yeah. be interesting, like thematically, if like the series Loki stars and is entirely populated by Loki 
in retrospect. And, and Loki, and if there's a Loki beyond the rainbow, a Loki is ruling over all the other Lokis. Which in the is, TVA, which is that very that's Loki. always they've been training us this entire season, this entire season to, to suspect that it's always a Loki. Right. Lokis are weirdly overrepresented in all the variants. Wow, mm-hmm. wow, where are we? Lokis are weirdly overrepresented at the per in the, the purge zone. Lokis. So there it's there's a certain amount of sense and like the fact that like, you know, like the, the fact that there's all these different symbols for Lokis that keep showing the different variants, like maybe for, they've been trying to tell us this the whole fucking time. Maybe or we might yeah. be going way off the deep end, but who knows? Who knows? I'm Could excited be Kang. to see. Could be episode. Kang all along. <laughs> yeah, they're just gonna do Kang to, it's to just, the, uh, blast the doors off of this phase. Here yeah, we go. It's 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 going to be exactly like the post credit sequence in the first Avenger, where it's just going to be Kang and he's going to mug for the camera and be ha ha, it's me, I'm Kang, and then yeah. see ya, see ya, the Fantastic Four movie, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh. So Mobius keeps the Loki's company while Sylvia and Loki are outside talking about the Nexus event they created with uh, their little intimate moment. And they both deny that it was a big deal, but they end up huddled in a blanket together. Very, very cute. Uh, Sylvia's concerned that Loki will betray her, but he promises that's not who he is anymore and then invites her to stick around once all of this is over. Tough to say uh, if there's going to be some backstabbing here. It's like, how do you trust any of these characters? Um, I guess we'll just find out. I just think it's really interesting that our Loki, who we know has gone through some character development because we followed him the whole time, uh, is the one being asked, I don't know, Tom, Loki variant, are you going to betray me? Seems like Mm -hmm. that's what Loki's always do. And he's like, I have learned and I have developed and I have changed and I am telling you I'm not. There's not there's that's a one way street of trust that's that's verbally yeah. being built here. And I was really, yeah, I was, I was really I was, I was really scrutinizing Sylvie's face when she's saying some of this stuff. And I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm really geared up for her to betray our Loki and it to be a real gut punch for the audience. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know if this is intentional or not or whether they just fuck, probably it's intentional. Um, Loki can't get cold. He's a fucking frost giant. <laughs> so like you're supposed to I think understand uh, that this is the equivalent of being a young man at a theater. The <laughs> oh yeah, stretch my oh just stretch yep. oh wow look <sighs> my arm my arm happened to drape across your shoulders, huh? huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah, because like yeah, that I because like apparently Loki's are no stranger to physical love, but actual intimacy emotionally, mm-hmm. they're both copying to not have so like I think you're supposed to understand that Loki's kind of like a, a teenager not knowing what the fuck he's doing. Because yeah, for sure, unless they've forgotten their basic lore. Yeah, he can't. He's he's immune to cold, essentially. Sure. Uh, so then the clouds roll in. Sylvie explains the situation one last time for the people in the back row, uh, then gives Loki her tin pad so he can leave. He decides, nah, I'm going to stay, help you out. But Mobius does go back to the TVA to, to try and burn it to the ground, I guess. K- kind of excited for that part of next episode, what he's going to be up to. Over Owen Wilson land. with the Wow Brigade trying to lead, <laughs> yeah. lead a uh, probably spring B fifteen if I had to guess uh, she'd probably be invaluable. Um, it would be hilarious if there actually is a Nexus uh, transit vehicle, um, experimental, and it looks like a jet ski. <laughs> oh, you're, it's a, you're it's right. A, it's Guaranteed a time jet ski. Happens. He's driving on a flaming time jet ski. That uh, <laughs> I think that that would be 
<laughs> really They'll couch it in some like, oh, the the ship is whatever you you visualize it as, right? Mm-hmm. It'll be some magic that you know make it a jet ski, but it'll work. So, uh, so I will say the biggest problem with my Sylvie being the Loki at the end or betraying is that like this is a huge gamble for her to offer him the time pad. Yeah, but it also might be the final thing she has to do to like get his trust. You know, like. It could be like like Owen Wilson said with her when debating whether Loki Gator is like, you know, he could be lying about being Loki and just playing the long con. But, you know, honestly, that just makes him more of a Loki. Yeah. Uh, sometimes Lokis do the thing that they have to do to gain the maximum amount of. Tr- so, like, I, I don't know. But like, this is the thing, because if Loki's like, ah, good luck, Sylvia, I'm out mm-hmm. or the whole scheme. Or it could be that she's still 100 percent whole sold here. But when she gets to the other side and, you know, sees old woman Loki saying, oh, this is the way it's got to go. Young and yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? I think there's going to be some tests for them to pass. You know, this was not the final test. Um, they're probably saving that for the final episode. And just, yeah, it's going to yeah. it's going to be a test of betrayal, right? It's not it's not necessarily a test of like how powerful are they? It's yeah. got to be a test of their commitment to each other. Yeah, and it's like there's just so much stuff though, because like when all the other Lokis hear that there's a there's a, a woman variant of Loki, and they kind of recoil like, oh my god, that sounds terrifying. And you know, our Loki's kind of, but that's kind of what makes her awesome. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, she's the fucking, she's gonna, you're the frog, she's a scorpion. Just watch. <laughs> uh, so those other Lokis go off to continue surviving in the void, leaving Loki and Sylvia on their own to face Eliath. Uh, and lots of uh, visual effects happen. Just tons of them. There's there's smoke, there's clouds, there's rifts, there's all kinds of shit. Cities being manifest by classic Loki who comes back, makes a fake Asgard, sacrificing himself to enable Sylvie and Loki to enchant Elioth together. And then this exit toward, I guess, the place they wanted to go opens up and they walk toward it. And that's like I said, I, I again, this is cool to me, like seeing a character of God knows what power. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Captain America straining against Thanos's pinky is just as cool as Thor holding the raging heart of a star open long enough to forge a new Mjolnir, which is just as cool as old man Loki pulling, you know, illusions out of his ass to save the day. And it it's like it's 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 how well can the person emote it? Because some people like they're getting a performance out of this guy, you know, mm-hmm. like he's like really emoting like someone like trying their utmost to do illusions. What does that look like? It looks like what this fucker's doing right here. Right. You know, uh, some but but like I just I did think is in when he screams like when like as it's working and he's distracting and it's giving the Loki's time to realize their own personal power. And the fact that like their power together is combined and and when it, you know, he gets eaten and he screams glorious purpose. It's a fucking moment Mm -hmm. that we just met this character 45 minutes ago, screen time. And yet we care enough that like he has his own arc. I thought that was cool. And it really works on a comic book level. Yeah. Somewhere in my childhood, like when I was vaccinated for, you know, smallpox and malaria or whatever i was also vaccinated against this shit <laughs> like yeah my parents just decided to give him the comic book shot too that's that's this stuff on the side effects like i didn't recognize asgard in this scene until i started reading around i was like oh yeah no that is asgard so like this shit rolls like it goes in one eye and right out the other or mm. you know for me uh yeah but i i don't know in the moment they're always fun right like i i 
really enjoyed my experience with 90% of the Marvel movies I've seen. So, yeah, but I couldn't tell you a damn thing that happened in any of them because sure. I like it in the moment and then it's gone. I'm not, these things aren't sticking with me, but I understand for a lot of comic book fans, this is what they live for. And, and there's that's something, cool. there's also like, like another layer. Like there's also, I, cause I talked about like how silly, you know, like, like, like the classic Loki, when we saw him last episode, it's like, this is like the Loki of a comic book adaptation in the mid eighties before they realized that dudes in yellow spandex look stupid. Yeah. You got, no, it's gotta be fucking Kevlar and leather. If you're mm-hmm. going to, it's going to probably a muted mustard yellow and mix yeah. in a, a, like a really rich green or, or, and, and maybe make it scaled or like, it, because otherwise it just looks stupid. Like Lord of the Rings taught us how to like trans. Uh, Game of Thrones, uh, the early like the first X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, of course, the X-Men's uniform should look like that because of Wolverine's rolling around in the giant cowl with like bright yellow and blue underwear. It's going to look stupid. I mean, look at the old Superman movies. Yeah, <laughs> but there's something cool and almost like a watchman, like like old Loki screaming glorious purpose in his classic 70s Stanley uh, uh, Stan Ditko outfit is just as cool as like this reminded me a lot of um, the original Night Owl in the in the Watchmen movie mm-hmm. when, you know, Looks he's getting silly. beat up by these gang members and he's he, uh, um, and he gets one as the old man. He gets one solid punch on him and instantly he's a young man punching Captain Axis and he's getting that one moment of glory. And he's he just right. He's about to get stomped yeah. to death, but he's happy. And I felt like because, you know, it works like because, you know, he. The old Night Owl had a ridiculous cost. It, there's something uh-huh. pathetic, but it adds to the moment. And putting this Loki in that kit costume, like I said, like it, it's not the leftovers, but it, it's 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 a pretty good facsimile of the comic book version of what have, like if Marvel had written a leftovers plot for Loki, it would kind of look like this. And it got it, it, it kind of went places for me. Yeah, it looks fantastic. I mean, I I don't have many of the. <laughs> many complaints about the CG in this show. It seems like maybe they yeah. saved up a bunch of the budget for this. Yeah. But this whole show has been laden with, you know, really great set design, some some very good if if occasionally shoddy uh CG. And they really just pull out all the stops in this. And I can't wait to see what they do with the next episode cuz visually I think they could go weird places with this um at yeah. the end. You you think of some of the stuff they've done in the movies that doesn't you know, cost a ton of money, right? Um, right. It can't cost any more than what they've done in this episode. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing th- what next episode looks like. The only thing that concerns me, and this is like, I felt like ice water poured down when I was reading Alan Suppenwall's review yesterday, where he's like, you know, it seems like next episode is going to be really something. It's going to be something beyond just people punching each other in energy clouds. He goes, but... I felt the same way about WandaVision and the whole finale episode was just that mm-hmm. I was k- kind of, ho- I didn't really, you know, and like, you know, it does seem, you know, if, if you go to the thesis that like Marvel's just not going to do anything really definitive or groundbreaking in these television shows, they're going to save that for the movies, at least for n- this initial phase of integration. Mm-hmm. But I really do hope they swing for some kind of fence because I do think you could visually. do something impactful to, to, yeah, visually and impactful to Loki, the character that doesn't like, break the Marvel universe in a way that like in a new Avengers movie can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't do the snap in a Marvel cinematic TV. So you can, you you know, you can only do that in a two part (laughs) Avengers thing. 
Yeah. But can you can you like gut the character of Loki and and you know turn and and really develop Sure, sure. Because like really Loki becoming even more of a good guy was already the trajectory people were on with him with the the Infinity War plotline. We were wanting Loki to be that. So him doing all this development off screen to get back to there and being a little bit better, mm-hmm. the the cinema audience is already primed for it. That shit you can do. So, well, this is what I wonder, like, where are they going to leave our Loki? Because it's not our Loki, right? Our Loki's dead. Do they bring yeah. this Loki back into the fold in the movies? Do, do we see this version of Loki showing up in in a film down the line to to, you know, re re up that character that we thought was gone forever? I think so, because here's the pitch. All the Rick and Morty guys got to do is like, get this, man. We had this whole thing where. Uh, our Rick and Morty took over the universe of a dead Rick and Morty. And then one of uh, the Mortys threw that into the face of the summer character mm-hmm. of the sister character. It's like, Hey, your actual brother's body's moldering out behind the shed. Uh, and then they keep doing stuff with that. You know, um, yeah. I, I think that like, if you went into the pitch meeting and be like, let us do this. And then you can have things like when Thor is like, you know, I don't, I've never trusted Loki's like, I'm not that brother. I'm a different brother. Like, it's cool. Like it's, it's something that like you can't, it's, it's, you know, like it, it, I don't know. It adds a little uh, extra spice to it. And, you know, since it does seem like the new phase of Marvel is going to be all about timelines colliding and multiverses and shit Mm -hmm. like that. Um, having those mechanics where it's like, you know, what, what does Thor think about his brother? What does Loki think about this? This isn't his brother, but it is, but it's not. I think that shit is like, I mean, fuck, it's fascinating through five seasons of Rick and Morty. Why wouldn't it be through a couple movies of Thor? Right. Yeah, it could be. Especially if they're wanting to replace Chris Hemsworth anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, matter. Just stick not... him in the void and then have him meet five other versions of himself. One's a frog yeah. and then go with frog Loki. Fuck it. Yeah. Make, make Natalie Portman be. I've heard people speculating that she'll be Lady Lady Thor. So like you just Pick put up the hammer. You know, yeah. 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 There's a lot of things you can do with this multiverse shit mm-hmm. yeah they managed in the enchanted just in time rip rip a portal through just like she said this was the guard dog there there's mm-hmm. this discre- decrepit castle at the end of time somebody's in there uh and who is it going to be another robot no i don't know <laughs> that'd be funny if it's just a bigger robot um we've, we've talked a lot about the theories of who it could be mm-hmm. um sylvie uh, an older version of Sylvie. Um, our Loki could end up sitting the throne. Um, a different Loki variant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Renslayer. Yep. There's other like if you if you paid attention to our feedback section, you'll also know there's a popular theory about Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh this this uh Eliath character um is very tied to I don't know if you did any research on this, but he's very tied to the Kang the Conqueror plotline. Like the Kang like this guy has got a time empire, this Eliath's time empire is like three times the size of Kang's, and Kang has to burn like a in uh, like a, a time and space like fire line between his timeline and Eliath to keep Eliath from coming and consuming everything that he's worked so hard to so these are very, you know, connected characters. Like if you see Silver mm-hmm. Surfer show up, you should probably be looking for Galactus to come next. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So Eliath is very connected to Kang. 
but I still I don't think Kang is going to show up next episode. I just he's too big. I don't think they would have Thanos like if 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 this was the thing, I don't think Thanos would show up at the end of a random, you know, WandaVision episode. Like, yeah. I just I just don't. I think that that's the one fatal flaw of all the Marvel speculation happening right now is everyone. Clearly, the MCU is going in that direction. I just don't think they're going to get there yet. There's too much time left. Yeah. So, I mean, the good news is uh, we will find out next week. Yeah, and there's a lot of combinations. Like, you know, we've heard about this who he who remains, who is the last sentient character left at the end of time and is trusted with like restarting the universe and seeding it with knowledge from. There's a popular theory that that he who remains is going to be a Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you can you can remix the stuff, but like I just don't think if, if Kang is going to be the Thanos of the next phase, I just don't think he's showing up uh just yet. Gotcha. But we'll see. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get to feedback, shall we? Okay, we're back. If you want to send us feedback, it's easy. Just go to Marvel or send an email to Marvel at baldmove.com and uh, it'll get, get it'll make its way through the time verse to our um, equidistant temporal reality. Uh, the first to do so is Ryan in the Nexus event known as Kansas City. I feel like the nexus events between the two Lokis is more that Loki throughout the different timelines are supposed to be bad so that the heroes can be their best self. That's something Owen Wilson opined back in episode one. Mm-hmm. The reason Loki does the bad things he does is that he doesn't love himself and is scared that he will be alone his whole life. Him having feelings for Lady Loki could be construed that he has found a way to love himself and he mm-hmm. doesn't feel like he'll be alone his whole life. It fundamentally changes the core, his core self according to the sacred timeline. Um, yes. And you got to wonder what it would do to that Loki if his self betrays him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that's, that's, that's the, I think the most interesting possibility um, I mean, it's the most interesting thing they've done with this show, right? It's it's right. the theme that I think they hit on with this show that makes so much sense is like Loki, you know, working against or with himself, right? It's it's all about Loki. This entire series is about Loki, so it's aptly named. Yeah. And I just love the way that they're playing around with that, with all these different characters who are essentially him, and he has to figure out how to navigate that. It's you know, it's not unlike an experience. It's very relatable, right? Like you have a lot of parts of yourself that are, you know, helping you get through your day, helping you survive. As classic Loki mm-hmm. says, it's all there ever was. That's all there is. Uh, we're just trying to survive. And sometimes we're at odds with ourselves. Sometimes ourselves are actively working against us and bringing us down. And I think that's like the heart of this show that has made it work for me is just understanding human beings the human experience through the lens of so many different loki's 100 percent, and i think that's something they do really well in rick and morty too which is again a big big background for for waldron um is the show they realistically like you know if you start improving yourself self-improvement is not like a linear like straight line you get better and better higher up the rung sometimes you roll down the hill you regress you get yourself healthy and then you find yourself in a relation, you know, you used to abuse people and use people and you've, you've stopped that and you understand why, and you're not going to do it anymore. But then your next relationship is a user and abuser. Mm. And what do you do with that? You know, uh, I, I think that's like a, a logical step that if Loki has gotten, um, a hold of, of, uh, a system that makes him less selfish and more capable of loving himself and therefore loving others, his first relationship is with a, an abused Loki. 
that fucks him up. Like, is that going to cause him to regress? Is that gonna, like that stuff is just really interesting. And it's one of the things that why Rick and Morty is not just a stupid science fiction cartoon. There's heart to it. Yeah. And there's a realism to, um, you know, the protagonist's personal development and lack thereof that I think could be useful in the Marvel universe. And it seems like something they're willing more willing to wrestle with post snap. Like mm-hmm. there is more tragedy. Um, there is more people with uh, the heroes. Like so far, a lot of the stories have been told is like the heroes processing their trauma. Mm-hmm. of you know getting their life uh snapped and re re uh reintegrated and all that kind of stuff so like yeah it's more mature storytelling and i think that's one of the reasons like it's interesting that marvel's had this decade plus is like they literally had 12 year olds watching them and now they're 22 year olds and like maybe those people are in the mood for a little bit more mature storytelling and they can indulge stuff with that um i think that's yeah. a great that's a great idea and i, I hope they i hope they can pull it off so move on to Frankie. I love to give some thoughts on some of the core themes of the show, in particular, why Loki is important in the scenario. Loki is a god of mischief, a chaos agent. The TVA is interested in creating a specific outcome, and that outcome is the heroes need to win. Loki's there to enable the heroes to move forward. To have this come about, Loki has to follow some basic guidelines. He's got to be bad. He needs to be the foil to the heroes. And to do this, often Loki has to have self-pity and self-hate. The reason Mobius chose this time loop as torture for Loki is uh, he knows the line Sif delivered, no one will ever love you, is the truth of Loki's nature, or at least his deepest fear. Mm -hmm. He does what he does to get attention from those he loves and to make himself feel loved. He does this because he can't love himself. This doesn't mean that he can't change. It just means that Loki has to die to serve the hero's story. For example, in Endgame, Loki is redeemed and dies to save Thor and to drive him, which is, you know, classic literary trope. The problem comes when Loki finds self-worth and begins to love himself, becomes a good character to serve no one but himself. The relationship he formed with Sylvie is as much about Loki learning to love himself as it was about loving someone else. This fundamentally changes the nature of chaos in the universe, creating a situation where heroes are not clearly defined and timeline's outcome is not clearly denoted. It's why it's a massive nexus event that completely changes how history could unfold if the good guys and the bad guys are not crystal clear in the universe, especially in the context of these gods creating insanely unpredictable and unmanageable outcomes that would splinter into infinite timelines. Um, I think they're on to something here about that's the reason it became such a huge nexus event is Loki learning to love himself through yeah. a slightly different version of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's funny because we, we made all the incest jokes, right? When Owen Wilson's like, this is just fucked up. You look what kind of narcissistic self, but like, that's what we say. Like you can't have a positive relationship with someone else until you learn to love yourself. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. So Loki being the first one, like maybe that that's why it became such a nexus. He's not plotting and stuff. He's just falling in love with himself. Uh, I like that. Greg E has a question for you about the entirety of the Marvel cinematic universe. When has a villain been introduced in the climax of the story? Oh, Greg, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I think. Uh, all the speculation of Mephisto and WandaVision and Kang showing up in Loki seems to be ignoring the entire history of the MCU, both in the TV and the movies. A villain might be revealed as a surprise turncoat, like the Ironmonger, or using an already established mechanic, like Dormammu, but the first appearance of an antagonist has rarely, if ever, been during the climax. It's like uh, all the Azora High uh, stuff from Game of Thrones. It's never mentioned in the show, so I never really believed it would come up in the final season. Marvel has used established, well, 
I, I, I don't got time to relitigate Game of Thrones, but let's keep moving on. It was never mentioned in the show, so I never really believed it would come up in the final season. Marvel has used established storylines with some tweaks before as an outline, but not a Shyamalan style twist endings. Um, yeah, I, I, I like I said, that's that's my take on this, too, is that I can't think of a single instance where Marvel has done this, even in the movies. You know, post credit hints and teases and things like that. But like mm-hmm. Kang being behind the man behind the curtain, like I, I don't know. It 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 seems like a bridge too far. I would love to be proved wrong because I would instantly make these shows a lot more interesting to cover. Because like right now, I feel like I can. I, I like if if it turns out that this is not Kang and this is just like a self contained Loki story, then I'm gonna feel like I can skip all of the Marvel shit. And only come back and watch them if I want background detail on a movie that I'm really into. Like if mm-hmm. I watch Immortals and they say, oh, man, if you watch What If episode, blah, 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 which, by the way, What If's trailer drops today and it looks pretty awesome. Yeah. Then you'll really it'll really give you a deeper understanding of these characters. That's the kind of shit that like, OK, fine. But like, yeah, if 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 these are all kind of self-contained character pieces, then I think that I, I think as, as fans, we should feel free to skip them and, you know, treat like, like, like kind of like the Avengers, you know, like you don't need to see Thor, the dark world to understand what's going on in Avengers too. Right. Mm-hmm. Age of Ultron. It helps, um, but they'll give you enough. Con- I feel like that's the thing. It's like now the MCU is the mainline thing. And these are the side quests that you can take or leave. Um, yeah, I never saw the uh, Ant-Man movies. And I don't feel like I was lost in the last two Avengers movies. Yeah, you're just, a, you know, like there, there's a little bit like and there is delight in recognizing, you know, when you see Scott's van in the impound cage post snap and like there's you can hear a buzz in the audience because half of them know, oh, shit, this is Ant-Man's vehicle. And mm-hmm. he was last seen in the fucking uh, quantum foam universe or whatever. But like if you don't you're going to know all this within 30 seconds of exposition. You know, they tell you, yeah, the Marvel, I mean, they do it in this episode, right? Marvel loves to get in there and recap right before the big event to make sure everybody's yeah. on the same page as to why we're fighting. And because then they, they fight. love, they love to make money. And if they, if they make a, yeah. a thing where like everyone has to watch everything or they don't feel like they're the problem with serialized stuff like that is mm-hmm. in the history, like usually there's less and less investment because people feel like, oh, Jesus, like I would love to get on this big pop culture phenomenon, but I'm not going to I'm not up to sitting and spending three weekends watching movies to get there. Right. Marvel's like, fuck all that. Come on in. You can jump in at any time. We'll catch you up and we'll just wow you with the special effects and the charisma of our actors. And you don't have to worry about it. And that's mm-hmm. smart. And I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to abandon it anytime soon. Yeah, that would be crazy. So I do think I do wonder because like I if if three shows out of three don't reward the speculation, like if all the crazy like, oh, like this is going to be this big villain. Oh, this must be pointing to this big villain. Oh, this is going to kick off. If, if it, it becomes a little like the boy who cried wolf again, there's tons of stuff in, t- in terms of Easter eggs and stuff like that. And I think people that are casual fans but want to be in the know are going to seek that stuff out. But I, I don't know. I don't know if these shows you know, deserve 90 minutes of discussion every single time. Uh, probably not, but we'll see. We'll see next week. Maybe Kang comes up and blows our fucking minds and it is, it, it takes us through the leftovers. Max, Max Richter plays some piano and we're like fucking hooked. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. 
Uh, Sergeant Drano has a quick take on the huge nexus event spike in Lamentus. Ordinarily, there wouldn't be any branches caused by variants in the apocalypse, right? Because everyone in the apocalypse dies. But when Loki and Sylvia are on the verge of dying in Lamentus, the TVA saw a huge branch appearing in the sacred timeline, heading quickly towards the red line. My takeaway must is my takeaway is that it must mean that the continued existence of one of them, either Loki or Sylvie, must therefore be absolutely necessary to the continued existence of the sacred timeline. Interesting. Mm. So if one of our two main Lokis, Loki or Sylvie, is vital to the sacred timeline, it seems to me that the most likely reveal is that one of them is actually the real power behind the fake timekeeper robots or more precisely, we ultimately come that power retroactively slash will always have become that power. I mean, this, yeah, this lines up with some of my popular, I just, I didn't think of this, you know, cause I actually like the idea of Loki self-loving himself being a Nexus event, but you're right. Like if Sylvie is the timekeeper and she was about to die for real Z, that would be a huge divergence from the sacred, t- t- sacred timeline. Yeah. Um, and it also makes sense from a supervillain. Like the sacred timeline is just your continued existence, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting if they if they bring whatever version of Loki must be essential in, in this scenario to, you know, the other timeline, then you could still say that that was the sacred timeline at all. The one that we're familiar with from, you know, the Avengers movies and stuff. Uh, or if they don't do that, you would have to say that this is the supposed sacred timeline that we're on. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as. I, lo- I don't know. It's interesting. I will say also that I think Nexus events are created when the thing that derails the timeline happens. It's not like Mm -hmm. it's it's not that like, oh, we're getting close to a Nexus event. And so things are going toward the red line. It's like the next event happens and then you have a certain amount of time after that to prune the consequences of that. In that case, to me, the thing, the catalyst here, the Nexus event is actually them forming some intimate relationship some bond hmm. because she never dies right or or whichever loki is is necessary like sylvie loki whatever they don't die so the nexus event would never happen unless unless yeah, you're, you're just right. saying like some someone is protecting that timeline that version of loki or, or maybe because like maybe it's the concrete thing is like the time pad like they were supposed to get to and and bluff their way on board or recharge the time pad and win the ship got destroyed and they had like, you know, they were left with nothing. That was the divergence because like it if her be. death is the divergence, then like it seems like there's no way to stop it because her death right. would, it would happen. And then, and then there's nothing in they already can say, they already also told us that once a nexus happens, they can't rewind to stop that. So it has to be like some kind yeah. of like, you know, safety rails around the sacred timeline to where events that threaten the other thing. Like there's gotta be some kind of like, cascading you're right because like you know if if natalie portman's on the sacred timeline she could get hit by a bus tomorrow right and yeah if that wasn't meant to happen then they have no way of fixing that right yeah but like they like if if they got a nexus divergence when like the green light that controlled the bus went haywire then the tva's guys come in there and nuke that part of it then they're back on so like yes maybe the ship that, that could be it so like and well, also, the ship was like, always I, supposed to blow up, though, right? I mean, they just weren't supposed right. to be there. So the next event would have been them coming to Lamentis in the first place. Or not getting there in time or bickering a little bit too much or the guard d- suspecting them instead of not suspecting. Them. I, I don't know. You're, that's 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 all good yeah. questions. I think Michael Waldron could also be like, hey, 
you don't know which time, like what point in the timeline in the TVA headquarters that Owen Wilson and, and was it B-15 or is it Ravenna that were watching the thing like explode? You don't know, like that could have been the moment they kissed. It could have been the moment that the rock yeah, yeah. hit the ship. It could have because like, yeah, how do you know that this is following the exact flow of time? You can't like right. even in just if it's just standard cinematography and you take out a timeline. Like if you have camera cuts and stuff, you, you don't know that this is all happening like 24 style. But when you've got like a TVA that's outside of time and monitoring time and can go in here like it's even more so. So I also think he yeah, could yeah. be like, yeah, it's you know, there, there's some leeway into what is the Nexus event and when it happens and all that shit. Yeah. So, and I, I don't want to inject authorial intent here. So just make up your own minds about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, Garrett writes in and says, I noticed in most of recent podcast episode and the previous, there were some gripes about the way the show looked with much of the blame being ascribed to the use of the volume that was pioneered in the production of the Mandalorian. Joanna Robinson, her most recent episode of still watching Loki interviewed director Kate Heron and asked specifically about their use of the volume. Kate says they did not use it. And for all the shots were done with a standard blue screen. Maybe wow. it would look better if they'd actually used the volume. Um, so there's two things. I've learned, and, and one of the reasons I don't really do interviews is because they bullshit and lie all the time. All the it time. It seems like such a petty thing to lie about. But, like, so they like do, and like, it could be because the reputation not, of the volume? Well, it could be that she doesn't honestly know what the volume is, or, like, this is not technically the volume because it's kind of like the volume 2.0, which is called the space. Hmm. Uh, but, like, okay, and I, I had a couple of people taking me to task. I was like, well, it's not the volume. Okay, like, the look, 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 the volume is not some sacred fucking technology that like is always awesome. I actually with my own eyes balls looked and it looked like the fucking volume to me. I didn't see behind the scenes or anything like that. But like, regardless, it's just shittily composited and executed special effects. Sure. And, like, sure. it's not the own on my complaining about it that I think people think it is by saying it's not actually the volume. OK, fine. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're describing the, the problem to the wrong piece of technology, but right. it still didn't look amazing. Yeah, right. Like it, it could be something. But like it's it. I don't I don't, I don't know. It, it seemed to me like of volume or volume like technology because like if it's just green screen compositing I'm sorry that's borderline inexcusable just fucking redo it if you didn't do it right and it's not matching and you didn't get the you, you, it's, it's looking washed out then fucking redo it what the hell you know this stuff was all delayed because of COVID anyway like Jesus Christ like whereas yeah. like well if this is as good as we got it's the volume and we can't redo it because there's no green screen to fucking recomposite it's like a it's an in camera trick okay so I don't know like I said these people lie uh, they get mis they get things wrong they're you know the director is doing a thousand things like they they, they might not even personally supervise a shooting this could have been B unit shit that, that, that I have a problem with so like I, I just don't know and also, like, even if it's not the volume, well, then they fucked up some other process that is that was bad. So hopefully it's not the volume. I hear they're making a really big one for Thor Love and Thunder. I heard the same. And that's the other thing is like, also, it's not an indictment of the technology. I even said, like, I, they crushed it in most of the Mandalorian and like going forward. I'm sure they will. It's just something that, like, I think integrating any kind of new special effect technology. Some people do it great. Some people do it. So anyway, that's it. Uh, if it's not the volume and the volume's perfect and flawless and, and uh, perfect in all its activities, and then I retract my slurs against the volume. Episode three still is with shitty special effects. And hmm. I know that because special five or episode five fucking nailed it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Sean, I'm going to lay my predictions out there. All this talk about Loki being a survivor is going to pay off with him being the MCU version of He Who Remains, the last universal survivor and creator of the TVA Timekeepers. Yeah, we talked about this and the fact that like this could be remixed into also a Loki. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be She Who Remains, which would be an interesting kind of uh, gender bend on that. Uh, alligator Who Remains. Alligator Loki. <laughs> what if it's just a giant shots? alligator Loki? Oh my god! In the castle, that would be kind of like kind of because also, man. There's even okay. If I'm if I if I oh god, I want to take this theory straight. <laughs> okay, because there's a line where Loki points out the classic Loki. He's like, "What the fuck? You're the one wearing the horns." Mm-hmm. As if that's like the bigger the horns, the more in charge the Loki is. And President Loki had the big horns on. Like, why are you taking orders from this child? Well, you know who else had a full fucking set of horns in that scene? Alligator Loki. It's true. And it would be Rick and Morty as fuck if Alligator Loki is the the he who remains. I want to see another layer to the Wizard of Oz. I want there to be a gigantic alligator Loki that they have Mm -hmm. to, like, encounter. But then that also be, like, you know, a Wizard of Oz smokescreen kind of thing for the real i mean i i think it would be too ridiculous for me i would be probably oh. done with loki if it were literally alligator loki is the one pulling the strings i, but I don't it'd be know also funny if like, for the frog in central park episode of the show what if but, what if alligator loki is just a enchantment of the classic loki Okay. And then you find out they're like, well, that's been you all the time. Did you eat? Did you eat someone's hand? Like, like, like <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Yeah, I, 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 okay. I'm an official subscriber to, I hope that it's alligator Loki in some fashion. <laughs> God, <laughs> they just, yeah. they just, uh, rotoscope its mouth. So it looks like it's speaking English or maybe it's just hissing. And then they have subtitled dialogue, uh, in some kind of alligator script. Yeah. That's what I want to see. That's what yeah. I'm wanting to see from the end of this Loki. And it, it would be Rick and Morty as fuck, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all the emails we got. If you'd like to send us one for next week, uh, we will have one more, of course, uh, episode of coverage of Loki. Uh, it's coming out next week. It'll be the final one. Uh, get all your final thoughts to us at Marvel at baldmove.com. And again, if you like, uh, if, if you're interested in a, in a preview, we got a no spoiler take of Black Widow out tonight. I'm very excited to get back to a Marvel cinematic experience. Um, we'll have a review out tonight and if you're a club member or a Patreon uh, at support.baldmove.com you can, you can hear a whole spoiler take so if there's any post credit Gator Loki sightings uh, we'll, we'll be sure to let you know so <laughs> uh, but we'll be back next week uh, with more Marvel Loki coverage and until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim see ya <laughs>